they throw away. Yep. Because once they uh, get to a certain point, they're no longer suitable. I'm a fan of the boxer briefs. Yes, yes. I like the, the snugness, but not the high <laughs> leg holes. Correct. I'm same way. Same way. Like like shit being held in place, but not mm -hmm. necessarily have a gap for it to run out of. Correct. They make them in long leg. They yeah, do. That's what I have. Oh, like like down like mid thigh now. I I just need the ones that are like short shorts, but they have a little bit of a leg. I I prefer the long leg. I like wearing short shorts in my everyday life. I don't want my underwear to stick out underneath them. So okay. there you go, both of you. Uh, <laughs> you probably didn't want to know this. Now you do. There you go. Yep. It's not the first time that we've talked about my preference for long leg boxer briefs on air. I don't I don't think it is. It's just I it's... think it's the first time that we've talked collectively about underwear choices. No, no. You and I discussed the merits of uh, long leg boxer briefs way back. Pre-Ray's pre -Ray's first appearance. Oh, goodness. Yes. It, it's been a minute. Jan Olden. In the way back. I think we're talking like two-digit, maybe single-digit uh, episode. Oh, man, they were real bad back then. Not that they're they, a whole lot better now, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Technologically, they are leaps and bounds better. Hard to believe, but this podcast used to be worse. <laughs> oh, shit. So how's everybody doing? I'm okay. Yeah? Much, yeah. much the same. Okay. Well, I think we're all okay because, number one, we are all uh, white males. Uh, number two, we don't live in Alabama. And number three, we don't live in Oklahoma. What's Oklahoma What's... doing now? Yeah, well, I missed Oklahoma. Uh, their state senator, uh, Tom Woods, I believe his name is, uh, when asked for comment during a public forum uh, at the end of last week about a uh, non-binary 16-year-old high school student being beaten to death. Right. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. He, he decided that was the time that he needed to say uh, they don't want that filth in their state. To which I say, uh, you are filth. You are awful. Uh, I don't care what your views are. If that is your response to the death of a teenager at the hands of their fellow students, uh, I don't think you should be allowed to hold public office. I just don't. That's I, fair. I think at that point, you have uh, reserved all rights to be canceled, uh, publicly humiliated, 
um, I, in just forced to live on the outskirts of society because you are awful. <clears throat> well, regardless, he is a public uh, elected figure, correct? Yeah. He represents that filth. He, he does. He should. He does. Regardless of who they are, what they are, yep. anything. He, he, re he represents them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to listen to his comments about a 16-year-old child who, who was murdered, uh, you would have thought that this person was, like, running with MS-13 or some shit. Instead, we're just talking about a kid who wanted to live their life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I keep seeing a clip on, uh, I think it's Reddit or Instagram, where uh, it's, a, it's taken from, like, a... Swedish news broadcast and okay. it's only like 17 seconds long and the the newscast the the host asks one of the guests now you're a transgender you you were born a woman but you were living your life as a man and you're much happier now and the person's like oh yes blah, blah, blah. you know I transitioned blah, blah, blah. I'm much I I feel more myself now and then the other guest jumps in and goes, Jesus says, and he goes, Shh. and the host just cuts him off. It's just that, hey, man, thank you for joining us, folks. That's all we have tonight. <laughs> I was like, weird. fuck yeah. Yep. As it should ask be. what your imaginary friend thought of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we honestly, I don't care. I, I don't care what your <laughs> friend says, real or not. I don't care. He's your friend, not mine. Well, ultimately, it's that person's gender. Yep. That person's life. Is one gender illegal? Is that what you're saying? I mean, there's is it, is it, is it wrong? It's illegal. They're doing a pretty good job of it in some states. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't get it. I mean, sadly, I do because those are the people. No, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't make sense of it. I understand where it comes from. I understand why it, it is. And no, I mean, I, I can. Their reaction and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I get it. You're, you're. I can point you, you to. You needed a boogeyman and, and gay marriage has already left the table. It's no longer a boogeyman. You yeah, needed something new. This was already like, this wasn't a boogeyman when I was a kid, but it was definitely something that was, uh, it, it was still just abhorrent to them at that point. Deviancy and whatnot, but... Doesn't really take much. Right. I mean, I, I'm pointing you to all the fucking shit in the Bible that they'll point out and say, this is why and all that. And it's just like, yeah, well, you know, um, your, your God was totally cool when two daughters uh, got their 
your dad drunk and banged him for days, multiple days. Is that the one where they also killed the son for looking at him naked? Uh, no, that's a different one. But oh, okay. I mean, you know. Uh, he was also drunk and naked. Yeah. And they're like, hey, stop being naked. They're like, hey, you looked at me dead. Yeah. I mean, there is also, you know, the the whole the, the greatest king of Israel that they'll talk about, uh, you know, had had a man put in the front lines of the military so that he would die, so that he could legitimize his affair with with that dude's wife. You know. That sounds like that scene from uh, Man in the Iron Mask with uh, Leonardo uh -huh. DiCaprio. Uh-huh. Yep. Great movie, by the way. Uh, sorry, that's, a, that's an yeah. aside. I love that movie. I'm glad someone does. I was not super excited about that film. Uh, I liked it. Uh... Speaking of like, uh, has anybody watched any Avatar? I have not. Um, I think we are four episodes in. I watched it all the first day. <laughs> Came mm -hmm. home, put it on, and it played until I went to bed. And there's only, you know, eight episodes, and they're about an hour long. So I get home at four. So it worked out. Um there's people whining about it, but of course there are. I think the things they changed were in the interest of fitting more of the entire first season into essentially 16 episodes. Right. So you have hour-long episodes versus half-hour episodes. You can get more content in here. But you have to marry some th some storylines together to get them to fit. Absolutely. Um, the bending looks awesome. Okay. The costumes look awesome. The even the kids who I thought at the beginning were a little stiff kind of grew on me. Uh, Zuko seemed. There's been good plays. Uh, Zuko's very whiny, but I go that's Zuko in the first season, right? Did you not watch it? Do you, right. don't, you don't remember? You just remember the cool Zuko from season three? No. He was a little bastard in the, in the first season. That's yes, exactly was. what I want him to be, because otherwise his correction or, or his growth in the later seasons means nothing. Right. But no, I, I liked it. I the second episode blew my mind because they've changed uh, how they changed a few things about the Avatar state. Okay. Uh, and how he reacts or how he communicates with previous avatars. He can only communicate with them in their individual shrines. It seems so he has, more he has to travel to a basically a place important to that avatar to speak to that avatar, which is cool. Okay. Yeah. But while there, that avatar can influence his avatar state. Oh. 
Yeah, in the second episode, Kyoshi goes off. Sweet. It's fucking awesome looking. But, yeah. I had, I, I had a good time. I, I liked okay. it. I it's not the... I was discussing it with uh, Bean this week when she comes home. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to watch it. I was just terrified to watch it, we'll say. <clears throat> I wasn't going to let any of the pictures no no i i see i I see some of the reasons or i can understand some of the reasons why the creators quote unquote uh left the project where they worried it diverted from their initial vision okay but it is stay. It stayed. I don't want to say close enough because that just doesn't seem fair. It, it it told an Avatar story with the characters from Last Airbender, and made they made some changes that they had to for time and for content, and it still all makes sense and works. Right. Like I'll be honest, if I watch the live action show and it was a shot for shot remake of the first season. You'd be disappointed. What's the fucking point? Yeah. I just go watch the animation. Right. I, 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 that's any book movie you're gonna under, you understand there's going to be changes. I think the, the closest movie to comic, uh, adaption was 300. Correct. Probably. I mean, there's scenes from that movie that you can hold up the comic and it looks like they laid it over it. The parts where they're pushing them off the cliff. Looks yeah. Just like the fucking comic. But not every movie and, you know, book, story, cartoon is going to have that right. freedom. Right. And you got to, and you have to also take it effect. This was made for Nickelodeon. This was made for kids mm-hmm. when it first came out. It was very much a uh, children's story for the first half of the season. Yeah, it was very kiddie and playful. They mixed in a little bit of the your typical. I don't know, uh, cartoon adventure combat stuff in there. Yeah. But there was no dire consequences. By the end of the series, there were some dire consequences. Mm -hmm. No one died, which still haunts me because I really thought Sokka and Toph were going to die. True. That That had me worried in that final episode. The phrase boomerang isn't coming back this time, Toph, still haunts me. Yeah. That's that's where my stomach dropped through the through the recliner I was sitting in. I was like, no. They can't do that to us. No. <laughs> but uh they introduced Azula way earlier in this than they did in the comic or in the cartoon. She was kind of mentioned in the two-part finale for the season one. Right. 
And then she showed up image and in the little uh, epilogue at the end. Right. So, but this, they, they show Ozai, they show um, Azula, they show the Fire Nation. There are conversations there and uh, you get a lot more um, development of her. Good. Kind of cool because you kind of see how she was manipulated into being who she is. You know, her darkest natures were encouraged, basically. Good. She's one well, of my favorite. Well worth, well worth the time. One of my favorite villains in a animated show. Azula. Yeah. Yeah. I the only thing I had against her was her super speedy decline at the end. Oh, uh, and she, I think she kind of went from uh to from cruel to crazy very quickly but i let it go because it's pretty much co coincides with her two closest friends turning against her mm -hmm. and then she has no one to lash out at who will you know speak back to her so it's just her inner voices that she's arguing with That can be tough. Yeah. But worth it. Cool. I am hoping to watch it soon. Cool. I don't know what else I watched. I, I, I watched like some old episodes of Monk. I just put on some bullshit just to... Have on TV. Oh, a uh, guy at work told me the. I didn't know this. I guess I didn't notice before. Uh, the animated Batman, the animated series, is on Amazon. Hmm. So I pulled up that and was watching some of those. Well, they took me back. Still great cartoons. Yeah. First season's a little rough, just the animation style. Very jerky, very Looney Tooney. Characters are moving, very animated. In their, while they're just speaking, they're, they're going all over the place. So it felt very <clears throat> Looney Tunes. Okay. But, uh, by the second season, I think mm. they they calmed that down a little bit, and then I don't want to say got serious, but kind of realized the atmosphere for that show needed to be a little more gritty, a little more Batman rather than uh, Looney Tunes. Well, I mean, even if it were, if it would have stayed Looney Tunes and it just would have been more like the 60s Batman. Yeah. But I don't think that's what any of them wanted. They wanted the they they wanted the Dark Knight. They wanted the well. I mean the Ninja Bat in Gotham. They wanted Frank Miller. Let's let's just call him. Um, yeah, kinda. 
they wanted to build towards that. Yeah. I mean, Frank Miller is arguably what saved Batman. Uh, Dark Knight Returns was pretty big, yeah. I mean, not that I, I that kind of oversells where Batman was when that came out. He was he's he's still the most popular superhero in any. I mean, you can go to the most remote parts of the world and show them the Batman symbol, and chances are sure. somebody there will will know what it is. But I mean, in the late '80s, right? Dark Knight Returns was like '89, I think. Like, I'm Bat- not sure. Late eighties, early nineties, Batman mm-hmm. was not in uh, a a sales spot that it should have been. It was partially because comic was very hit or miss in the eighties. A lot of comics were trying to find their yeah, kids yeah. were changing. Video games were out, you know. Cartoons were 30-minute commercials for toys. Comics had it rough that time. Yeah, yeah. So there, there, were, there, there was, was a lot of com- competition for attention. There was a, a changing of the guard in comics. I don't want to say they were slow to adapt, but they really had to find some footing that they never had to before. Yeah. I mean... DC went the route of show us short else else worlds type stories to feature a different flavor of characters everyone thinks they already knew. Right. Because the Dark Knight was not canonical. It did not happen. It hasn't happened yet. It's still to come if you right. are supposed to put things in order. Right. Because it's when it's after Bruce has retired and is old. It's just so fucking dark. Yes. I love the the stories behind a lot of it. That that's my favorite uh bits. Are he wanted to change the the logo on his chest to be more in line with a uh, dark, stealthy character, and DC would not let him because without the yellow oval around it, it wasn't like a trademarked image. Right. So they feared somebody could steal it. So one of the first things he did was he got shot there and the suit ripped and all you saw was this armor plate underneath it. And he wrote that right into the story that you think I wouldn't put a, if I put a target on my chest, I wouldn't put armor behind it. Yeah. But I mean, that, that was just a struggle between the writer and the owner. Right. And it's, it's just, it's, you know, that's not a particularly great part of the story, but it, it's funny when you know the reasons why. And it has my favorite scene of any Batman. Oh? The 
there are seven working defenses from this position. Oh, yeah. Four of them disarm with minimal, minimal contact. Two of them kill, and one of them hurts. <laughs> I did not realize that you were uh, the, the Batman aficionado, sir. Uh, there are certain stories. I really, I mean, I like... Uh, I brush the peaks of uh, Batman. Okay. You know, the, 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 the popular shit that most people know. Yeah. Okay. The Dark Knight Returns, the uh, Killing Joke, uh, some of that shit. Okay. I did not like the Killing Joke cartoon. No. Or at least the first half of it. The part they made up to fill an hour worth of animation. The rest of it was pretty, it was okay. My favorite Batman title is still Shadow of the Bat. Um, that's the one with uh, the crazy capes, right? Yes. Yeah, and the really pointy ears. Yep. Was that who was that? Key or Kelly? You're, you talk an artist? Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, Shadow of the Bat. Alan Grant? That doesn't sound right. I know it had a different cover artist than interior artist. Okay. And the covers are what drew me to Shadow of the Bat to start. The the image of the Joker, ha ha ha, with his hands in his hair is what yeah. drew me to um, the killing joke, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I, mean, I had a t-shirt with that on. I'm like, I, oh, yeah. Where, where's this from? I thought that the cover art for Shadow of the Bat, outside of, of being comic covers, was some of the best just pure comic art of it was, it was the past real pretty. 40 years. Like, I don't... I And to this day... I have no idea why they invested so heavily in that title's cover art. It's was like it a, a really good title or just no, it was, art? it was a really good title, but it was a, it was a new title. And I mean, honestly, every single cover for that is just unbelievable. Like could be a, a, Marvel snap style variant of a thing all on its own. It, it, it's a different level of comic art, especially when you consider the era that those comics were published in. Like imagine a hundred run comic series where every cover is, I don't want to say as iconic, but as eye-catching as the Dark Knight Returns miniseries. Yeah, that, that was not the art I was thinking of. I was thinking of Kelly Jones. He was just a Batman artist. He, he Batman looked like Dracula. He had this crazy long oh, gate that went yeah. everywhere and the super huge yeah. ears that came off the top. I mean, Shadow of the Bat definitely has a, a 
a panel art style that is more in line with that motif. But yeah, the, the I came to Shadow of the Bat late in life, uh, or later, I guess is a better way to describe it. I it was almost over by the time I had found it. And I loved it so much that I went out of my way to get an entire run. I uh I never had the disposable income that was necessary to collect comics in a way that I could say I collected comics. Sure. I bought comics when something caught my eye. If I liked the story or the art was just, you know, grab me, I would, uh, I would invest. And then I would chase that artist sometimes to other titles, uh, just because I, liked their work. Yeah. Alan Davis is a prime example. I I probably bought one of his books from practically every series he's ever worked on. He, I mean, he did uh, Excalibur, Fantastic Four, um, Avengers for a while. I mean, I have or I owned at one point books from all of those just because I like <clears throat> his art style. <clears throat> I tried to stick to specific characters when I collected things. I mean, I like most yeah, teenagers. We collected the, for different reasons, basically. <laughs> yeah. We, like most kids in the 90s, you know, seeing some of these comics that started skyrocketing in value. Like I started, you know, chasing some covers and things in number ones and things like that. Hoping. Yeah. Never, never got a crap about foil or reprints or whatever. I'm like, yeah, give me the interior pages that I can pawn over and just, right. just examine. Like how the hell did he draw his hand like that? What, why, why, why do the, why does the hair do that? Right. No. But I mean, like I read Punisher and, and, Punisher and Nam and things like that. And I fell in love with the character. I enjoyed Batman a lot, uh, but the, the grittier Batman stuff, not, not the, all the more them. Punisher Batman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, and that's why I really enjoyed Wolverine because he felt very Punisher esque. I mean, I would say that as a, as a teenager pre vertigo, pre discovering vertigo comics, the Punisher was my favorite character. And even to this day, he holds a special place in my love of comics. I was going to say something. I, I, I totally lost it. You know, then once I found Vertigo Comics and found you know, Hellblazer and Books of Magic and uh, even to an extent, Doom Patrol. That was, I really didn't find that until later on. Um, I really became a bigger fan of the Vertigo style than than the traditional superhero style. Would that have been pre-Preacher? Uh, yes, pre-Preacher. And then I, then Preacher came out and well, then it was all over from there. 
I really like the uh, um, Wolverine Havoc Meltdown series. God, I love that series. Because the art was so yes, strange. Yes. Uh, you probably remember that series when it came out, I'm assuming. Yeah, I bought those as they came out. Because they were like okay. little mini graphic novels. They weren't right, the comics. Right. They, they had the the perfect bound uh, yep. spine and the card cover. Yeah. Yeah. They, those were, so, those were cool. And and because they were a little sturdier, books, <clears throat> they lasted longer in my collection. Yes. But I still, you know, by the end pages were falling out because I had propped them open so many, so long stuff, but yeah, the James Dean havoc and the weird head tails Wolverine. <laughs> Right, fucking strange as hell, and I just like the way they drew a man who drank and smoked and did little to no physical exercise other than fighting. Yeah, uh, Wolverine's physique looked like a man who treated his body like that, but because of his healing factor, kept him upright. Right. And then there was a issue of Mark Silvestri's X-Men where Wolverine is in the bathroom, like at the sink, and he's got his hair in that same style, and you just see it reflected in the mirror, and you see, like, Storm behind him, and he goes, yeah, it looked better on the road. And then he just kind of scruffs it back up to the way it normally looks. <laughs> it was just like, yes! <laughs> it actually freaking fits within the story. Yep. So I found Meltdown uh, at the Bone Cellar. Probably in the dollar bin, because I don't think it was really popular, was it? Uh, I don't know if it was popular or not. I found Meltdown number one in the in the bin because uh, it had the, the cover was messed up, like it was creased. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Ooh, this looks really weird." I'm kind of curious, so I read it and went back the next time I got money from my paper out and bought the rest of them. Yeah, I was also. Cool stuff. I was also a really big fan of the What If series. I liked What If. What If was some of my favorite stories because a lot of times they would take a classic story of like the Avengers or basically an origin story that I don't know because it was before my time and retold it a different way, which made me kind of happenstance learn the real story along the way. But one of my favorites was, uh, um, what if the vision destroyed the Avengers? Mm, Okay. And what if Peter Parker never gave up the symbiote suit? I remember the symbiote suit issue. That was a lot of fun. Because Peter Parker dies of like old age once the symbiote like basically devours him and pitches yeah. him off and 
takes the Hulk next, and, and it gets Thor, and then Black Bolt shows up and ends it. Um, <clears throat> what if the, Wolverine had become Lord of the Vampires was the first what if that I got? I remember that one. I don't think I ever um, owned it. I remember seeing it. That was a, a nutty fucking story. Give I remember that from classic X-Men when they crossed. Yeah. See, I, I that I think that's probably the reason I didn't buy it. Because like like I said, I never read the origin of the vision. I never read the origin of Wonder Man and all that stuff. So the vision destroying the Avengers kind of ha- halfway let me be there when that happened. Mm-hmm. And I was there through the reprints of classic X-Men uh, for the trials with Dracula. So I didn't feel a need to right. change that. The uh, Lord of the Vampires with Wolverine, just when you thought that Wolverine couldn't be any more bananas, at that time in comic history. Yeah, add bloodlust to his berserker rage. Right, add bloodlust and a healing factor, and it it just goes bad. And I believe it's the Scarlet Witch who saves the day? I think. I know she's in the comic. Man, it's been a long time since I read that. She was a gypsy or something kind of type character in that, right? I think so. Because that's that's how they tied her to the Romanian Dracula stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, Vision destroys the Avengers. I still remember the uh, Thor <laughs> line from it. Like the last few pages, you know, Vision comes in and, you know, wrecks everybody. And then Thor shows up and he's like, <laughs> the way they wrote his lines, it was all like old English meets Viking movie kind of bullshit. Right. It's like, I say nay, base villain, so long as the Avengers, the Avengers ne'er be beaten so long as one of their members has breath of no to yell, Avengers assemble. And I was, that's fucking corny as hell, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I didn't like Thor. I I just liked it when they went all medieval D&D with him. Because the juxtaposition of him being this space god, alien, super high-tech, but but by way of magic society, and then he still talks like Shakespeare in the park. That's exactly what I hated. I'll say that it was the character. I don't know. I know. I like I Thunderstrike. Just... Remember that freaking comic? Uh, no. Okay. Um, around the eighties, nineties, there was a uh, time where Thor wasn't Thor. A man named Eric Masterson became Thor. It was the same time as the uh, Infinity. Oh, 
Because remember yeah. when he loses the hammer, he turns back to that dude and he's dying, and then the hammer shows up and he turns back to Thor? Right. He's not Thor. He's a man who possesses Thor's strength and power and all that shit. Right. So when Thor came back to actually embody himself again, and this magical connection between Eric and him was severed uh, to thank Eric for basically taking up the charge in Thor's absence, Odin made a new hammer and it was called Thunderstrike. It was this, but it wasn't a hammer. It was like a mace. And there was a short lived comic, uh, I think uh, Ron Friends uh, did the art. But he basically became a everyman Thor. It looked wow. a little different, but it, it was a pretty decent story. And I, I liked Thor at the time, so I followed that for a while. And then Ron Friends was one of the instructors at Artists of Pittsburgh. So like that was probably why it still sticks in my head. So did it work out getting to meet your hero? He wasn't a hero. Sadly, only two comic book personalities have ever been my hero post meeting them. I meet these artists. I worship their art. I meet them and I realize, oh, they're just assholes. <laughs> They're, they're still assholes. The only people that I've ever met that were, uh, I don't want to say cool, but they were tolerant of a teenage super fan who just haunted their booth at the convention were Eastman and Leard. Okay. That they were the cool. coolest. They did not <clears throat> tell me to go the fuck away or... They weren't rude to me. They talked to me about anything I wanted to talk about for probably an hour. I stood at Hit Booth. So they will forever be, you know, the pinnacle of uh, comic creators for me. Interesting. Just because of the way they, way they interacted with anyone who came to their table. I was not unique in this respect. I stood there and talked to them and joined in other conversations, but they talked to anybody about anything. And I, there, I waited in lines for other artists that were at the same convention. John Byrne was there and I loved his art. And you get up to the front of the line and he's sitting there and he doesn't even look up at you. He just takes the book, signs it, slides it back at you. And a guy next to him takes money from you. And he ha- and he's drawing something. He doesn't talk to you. He has a sign in front of him. I draw what I want, when I want. And it will be, f- the finished product will be auctioned to the highest bidder. I'm like, you don't even want to be here. None of this means anything to you. So, soured me. I think that's one of the things, not that he was a comic artist, but that I truly appreciated about Christopher Rush. 
He always. I'm not sure I know who that is. Um, one of the most important Magic the Gathering artists ever. Didn't he do Black Lotus? Yes. Okay. Um, oh man, I hadn't met Jeff yet. So that means that was like 96 or 97. Because Jeff and I met late 97. <clears throat> um, I went to a non-Origins convention in Columbus uh, to play in a Magic tournament. And it was the biggest convention at the time that I'd ever been to. Uh, How old were you? I was 16. Your parents let you go? They didn't know about it, did they? No, they didn't know. Yeah. Well, I didn't sneak out. I was... I'm going to this thing. Okay, is it a church-related? Yes. It was 97 because I know what car I was driving. So (laughs) in 97, I was 17. Uh, I go to this convention, uh, and they had a handful of artists. They had a couple other people there, and Chris Rush was, like, the featured artist. And there was a fucking line. And the reason there was a line was because you were paying to get something signed by Chris, obviously. But it was very apparent that Chris recognized that this was important for people to be there to get this. So he, you paid your money, and I think it was like 20 bucks to get something signed. And you also got like five minutes of uninterrupted you and him having a brief conversation time. That's cool. Um, I mean, if there's yeah. a crazy line, more than five minutes is, is right. Risking it, right? But I, I remember he appreciated that I was asking him questions about art that wasn't Black Lotus. Because at the time, I'm sure you didn't own a Black Lotus. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, I didn't own a Black Lotus. <laughs> I believe he signed a Terror for me. Because, yes, it it was a terror because I had a beta black border terror. That was the coolest card, Chris Rush card that I had. Right? MTG beta terror. Thinking of the right card, right? Yes. Holy fuck, I should have kept that card. How much is it worth? It's $40, but it's a beta common. Is it a graded one or just a basic? It's just an ungraded. Hmm. Like I have one or two of them, but they are beat up. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I asked him uh, if there was some significance to the position of the the character, not like the position that the character is in, but the position in the in the box, in, yeah, in it's the like box, cowering in the corner, yeah. right? 
And uh, he said that he felt it made it look more uh, terrifying to have it trying to hug that that corner of the frame. Super cool guy. Uh, it's definitely a shame to to lose him as a artistic talent in our world. But anyway, we've yammered about comics for a long time. Yeah. We're allowed. We like them. We, we 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 tend to get on 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 a rant, and we found That's ours true. today. That's true. <clears throat> Uh, so I'm almost afraid to ask because I'm, I'm pretty sure the answer, I know the answer. Have any of you watched, uh, after the new, after midnight? Um, with, uh, Taylor Tomlinson? Yeah. Yes. Do you enjoy it? Uh, I don't know if this is the, the vehicle she needs. I'm a, I'm a fan of hers. I like her comedy. I've seen all her stand-ups, mm -hmm. uh, at least the one you know on Netflix and whatnot. I don't go to stand-ups, but uh, she seems when it's scripted like that. I don't think it's definitely her vehicle. Yeah, she does a good job, but yeah, I I, I think she would be better suited if there was something that she could more of an interview type thing where she could riff a little <laughs> bit, right. But yeah, I'm happy for her. I'm, I'm happy that she's she's getting that vehicle. But like I said, I, I don't have I don't have cable, and I don't watch that. I I see clips of it on YouTube and stuff. I only watch it. On Sorry, what, what's after midnight? It's a uh, game show on Comedy Central. No, it's neither of those things. <laughs> well. It used to be a game show on Comedy Central, but now it's not a game show because they're not playing for a goddamn thing. No, it's just a comedy. It's, it's kind of a Saturday Night Live skit where they just make jokes about shit. Yeah, it is Taylor Tomlinson in a panel of three comedians uh, basically just making fun of the internet. Well, there was that one... Uh, didn't... Uh... The guy who did uh, Talking Dead, didn't he host it for a while? On Comedy Central. Yeah. Before it got canceled. Okay. This is now produced by Funnier Die. It is on okay. CBS. Okay. After Colbert. Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. So they, I, mean, I guess I guess since I only I, saw because I remember that, I but I remember the old one got canceled, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I only see clips, so I guess I don't don't realize where it comes from. I just recognize the name and the format. So yes. is she hosting it, or was she just on it? No, she's, she's like the host. she's the Alec Trebek of it. Okay, so that's yeah. why she was doing the Super Bowl promos with Colbert. Yes, yes. Okay, that makes sense because I was when I was watching him, I had it on mute most of the time, so. I wasn't sure what they were out. They kept cutting off the last like three seconds of what they were saying too. So right. it was confusing. 
Nope, she is the host. Um, I enjoy it. I think that uh, she reminds me of you with her sure. religious upbringing. <laughs> yes. Uh, my wife thinks it's weird that I, I I like her, and then we'll watch a bit of her stand-up or something, and she's like, oh, right, that's why. Religious upbringing and dead parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, she, I mean, she's legit funny. I, yeah. I, I mean, and she's adorable, so it, Absolutely. it doesn't hurt. So, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting. Uh, I, I was going to watch your second one. I watched. I really liked the first one, but I was waiting until the wife was available to watch the other one. Yeah, her yeah. bit about uh, hating her 20s because she doesn't have a gut to rely on. You know, what? How yeah. about not dating a DJ again? <laughs> right. Yeah. She's. Yeah. Fan. Growing up in, uh, in a borderline cult leaves you with poor. Uh, Decision-making skills sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her uh, her stuff about, um, never mind, I, I, we shouldn't talk about that. Never mind, moving on. <laughs> okay. The uh, comedian that I've watched all of his shit recently on Netflix, Amazon, wherever it was, was uh, Brett Kreischer. Burt Kreischer? Burt Kreischer? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I passed almost passed out laughing at his, his shit the other night. Oh, I, I was laughing. I was laughing so hard, I, you know, couldn't breathe and nearly blacked out. And those are those are the ones that get two thumbs up. If, if they yeah. do that to me, I'm like, yes, you're winning. Uh, if if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend this movie. The, uh, the Machine? I, I yeah. watched it, and then I watched it with Bean after I made her watch the one, the one uh, stand-up. Okay. Now, when I'm watching it with my daughters, uh, there are some times I skip through some stuff because he gets a little crass and uh, not necessarily what... what my daughter wants to listen to or me want to listen to while she's sitting there. So, but the when, uh, he's talking about, uh, his wife doing the mic joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tom Segura says, if I had the honor and he goes, please tell me. <laughs> and then the next time he, laughs and she asks him what he's laughing about and he goes oh i was thinking about tom and <laughs> put me on the floor oh yep. my god i was laughing so fucking hard that was oh great. man yeah and I and love there is guy. a uh, there i i watched uh, a couple episodes of it uh the cabin yep did you watch it okay i watched like the first two episodes of that that was pretty funny yeah i mean yeah. if i think I love comedy. I love comedians. I love stand-ups, all that stuff. But if you can get them in a candid situation like that, and they're still hilarious, I'm like, give me more. When they're just with their friends and they're cracking each other up. Yeah. That, that's awesome. And the one person, or the one stand-up where he's talking about going to get a coffee and, uh, 
he's like, what, what can I get you? And he goes, uh, large black coffee. And he goes, room for cream? And he goes, no, I want it thug life. And he's like, huh? And he goes, black. And the kid cracks up. And yeah. he comes back the next day and he has to do another one. He's like, he goes, room for cream? And he goes, no, I don't want it to ever know his father. You know, <laughs> just, yeah. just like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, he he definitely is all about the 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 more shock value he can fit into it uh the happier he is oh the 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 bit about the square dancing and the the teacher apologizing for pairing them up boy girl yeah and he's like and he <laughs> he goes how do you not go for the joke yeah that was fucking hilarious yeah uh Oh man. The uh the story about the silent <laughs> auction and the story about the choir concert where they buy buy the snow snow machine. Hmm. Those those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about his one daughter, Isla, and she's just uh, she cannot be as bad as he describes her. Because she's she sounds like a psychopath and just clueless that she's a psychopath. But yeah. Funny shit. Yeah. And if you don't know who that is, is this the guy that takes his shirt off as soon as he comes out on stage? I remember the first time I heard the machine. Oh God! It, it, yeah, that in God. Like it, no, this can't be true. This can't. Be, the movie was great. Yeah, the movie was awesome, and and he had like some like compelling. Uh, he had some points where where he had to act. Yeah, he didn't have. He didn't just have to be his you know comedy self. He had to actually show some emotion in some parts and uh, did a pretty good job. Yeah. No, you know, film critic, but it felt real enough. I was not mad that I spent 90 minutes of my life or two hours or whatever watching that movie. I was delighted that Mark Hamill was in it. I I love that Mark Hamill is his father. Yes. Mark Hamill did an excellent job as his father. Ah, man. I just, the fact that he was able to get Mark Hamill to be in the movie, number one, number two, to play his father, like, I just, oh, man, there was something about that that just made me happy. Yeah, it it totally worked. But, man, the story, you know, how, how they, they built a movie off that stand-up. Yeah. And then didn't like basically just bullshit go back in time and tell it which would have been easy to do right to just do that but to do it tell it on two fronts past and present made it more fun i don't know just because you can't do that movie without uh bert being in it right so you have to have it today he has to appear like we see him 
I don't know why I always want to call him Brett. I don't know why. I have to like actually calculate in my head. His name is Albert. He goes by Bert, not Brett. I don't know. I just, I just keep wanting to call him the other name. That's kind of weird. I know. Oh my God, this is killing me. I haven't had that since my brother. His name is Brian, not bitch. <laughs> Sometimes I just can't calculate it right. Wow. Sorry, that's a joke. Sorry, stop whining, Brian. Humpa, humpa, chump, chump. Uh, pretty confident he's not one of the two, so I feel like I'm okay. safe. feel like we're safe here. Right. I was going to say, he won't get the joke, he can't read, but it is an audio podcast, so he can still listen. Oh my god. He, he can read. Can just he? Not, just not the size of, the side of a condom pack or the text on a playing card, because, oh, I thought it worked this way. I thought it said to draw as many as I want. Or the rules to basically anything. <laughs> Any game, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. So uh, this past week's strip, the yes. insect people uh-huh. were inspired by that. <laughs> Remember that apocalypse game I had an idea oh, for? Oh, God, I thought that's where that came from. Yeah. Um, they, I, they're all original. All those... Uh, um, in, characters in that strip I, are new, but I totally was inspired by that art. And digging that up and finding all of that for the machines, the insects, the mutants and shit, I'm like, I have to figure out a game mechanic that works with this, because this, this, is, this is a fun idea. I just want a game where there's a mutant six-foot-tall Twinkie. Okay. And that was one of the characters in the damn thing. And for some reason, I just love the way I drew the zombies in that. They were very geometric and weird. It wasn't like a lot of detail. It was just kind of, I know this is a bad reference, but Tim Sale, you know who that is? Artist? No. He, he did a, he did Superman, he did Incredible Hulk. Daredevil, that man, very weird, simple art, kind of strange at times, but. Uh, Is he perhaps friends with Ma- Ryan Martin? Ryan Martin? Uh-huh. I don't know. See, I can come up with names that you don't know either as well. <laughs> no, I don't think they know each other. Okay. Okay. Ryan Martin is a former bass player from Mudvayne. Uh, now is doing this really bizarre jazz fusion. Yeah, I just thing. I just googled him. Yeah, I like I like him with the uh, the side mohawk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, his his jazz fusion project is. Oh, I you know I love jazz. Keep talking. Listen, tell me why. I am not a. <laughs> I, I do not give a shit about jazz at all. And I listened to their entire debut album and was just floored. Partly because I realized uh, he's not playing bass any different than what he did when he was in Mudvayne. 
He just changed all the music around him. Okay, that's one way it's, to get it done. It's still the same bass lines and the same style that he was doing 20 years ago. Uh, which made me appreciate... Why learn new shit, right? Well, no, like, it's it's different music, but it's still the same techniques, it's still the same style of playing. You still, like, you listen to it, and you're like, oh, I know who that is. Which is just, like, mind-blowing that he was able to pull this shit off in a metal band more so than mind-blowing that he's pulling this shit off in a, in a jazz fusion trio. Okay. He's, he's sure, probably, I don't understand. You know that. Yeah. Welcome to how I feel when you talk art. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I am. I'm just giving you some shit, man. Fine. I'm going home. Wait, I'm already home. Damn it. Oh. So, uh, has anybody played any of the Diablers? I haven't played anything in a, in a while. I'm playing it right now. Oh, yeah? What, yeah. Are, you, what are you playing? Uh, Druid. Okay. I'm assuming you're playing in season? Yes. Okay. I I don't know why I'm talking. Like, I, don't, I don't know why I'm talking like this. I'm sorry. I, I last I played, I was playing the uh, barbarian, and I just was not having much fun. So sure. I started a sorcerer, and that was more fun. Okay, I can see that. So, so I, don't, I don't know this. I got pretty far with the first character I made, the Barbarian, but knowing how fast I could be going with something else, sure. playing the Barbarian just feels like I'm playing with lead boots on. Oh, they, they are fucking slower than dog piss to level. Yeah, so I I jumped on a Sorcerer, and before I got to the first in-season quest objective... Yeah, I was like level six, just killing shit I walked past. Right. Because I, I mean, I didn't get on my horse. I just walked, and it's right. like clear across the, a zone and a half to get to the first quest area. And you know, you run across a buttload of scorpions and some skeletons and shit, and there was enough. Yep, uh, hidey holes and half dungeon things that you can go down to and you know those first few levels just take off yep so i am and I, I love the fact that you start with all those extra skill points from your reputation yes so you can just get into your skills you aren't stuck doing an arc lash trying to kill 13 skeletons right you can actually cast the big spells and right protect yourself with the defensive shit i don't know just seemed more enjoyable that way 
I am enjoying my rogue. I am a hundred. I am done with the season quest line. I am. I've killed Duriel. I've killed all the mini bosses. Obviously, uh, I've killed the uh, the season boss on Uber multiple times. Uh, the only like, I guess, objective I have left with this character would be to kill Uber Lilith. And I just don't know if I have it in me this season to beat my head against that wall. Is, is she that hard? Uh, it, okay. Or is it just so, you have to play that perfect? Isn't you she have to play that broken? Uh, probably. She's, so they, they designed the fight. She she has a lot of health. She is in in some classes. Uh, She's what you call would call Uber. Yes, barbarian. Uh, last season's uh, sorcerer build. They can not one shot her, but uh, do enough damage to skip phase changes and and things like that. Um, the problem is. If you don't skip those phase changes, if you don't push her past them, um, she will just fucking kill you. Like, it's not like, oh shit, I took half my life, or oh shit, I took, you know, 90% of my life. No, you're fucking dead. There, that's it. And it's just frustrating and not fun. Because the entire time, like, Shit happens so fast, you don't know what fucking killed you. You can't, there, there's not enough time. Fun. There's not enough time in what happened for you to learn the mechanics to avoid it next time. Well, that's just, that's just shitty design. Yes, I agree. So I generally try... A couple of times, I'll see where I get to. But she's she's one of those where she's the same fight every season, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you could learn it, but now you're learning it for a different class, effectively. Right, right. And the problem is, like, on a sorcerer, a sorcerer has a couple of ways to, I don't want to say cheat the fight, but to uh, ignore some of that phase change damage because they have things like flame shield which makes you invulnerable for a couple of seconds ice ice armor all that kind of shit. right yeah right on a rogue uh yeah you get the fuck out of the way uh dash or doesn't subterfuge make you invulnerable with no, a certain build it makes you unstoppable oh Right. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. 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 I was remembering that wording incorrectly. So it's just it. I'm hoping that at some point they recognize that while Uber Lilith is beatable, it is not an enjoyable experience. It's not an experience. Like, I cannot imagine that 40% of the player base has killed Uber Lilith. I, I would be actually be shocked if 40% of the player base had killed her. 
And while I understand that it's an Uber boss and it should be, there should be some air of mystique to it. Like it still needs to feel possible. Like if somebody doesn't beat the fight because they didn't have enough time to get to level a hundred and get the gear, like that's one thing. But if you get to level a hundred and you have great gear and you're just playing a class that doesn't have great escape tools or invulnerability tools, and you're just stuck like, well, I have zero chance to fuck up during this fight. Like that's, that's not fun. That's, that's not a, a good encounter design. It's, it's not a fight. Right. It's a reaction test. Yeah. And it's a shitty reaction test at that. I really don't enjoy that. That precision testing. Right. Like, you know, even if they made the skills, like, it just does 75% of your damage. Or 75% of your health if you get hit, hit by the thing. Fine. It gives you enough time. You're probably still going to die because she's going to hit you, but at least you have a minute to see what comes next. <laughs> well, just like it kills you so fast, you don't get a chance to see the pattern on the floor to understand where you need to move. Like, I, I don't mind dying to learn a fight. I did that a lot in another game. Not opposed to that. Just want to be able to take something away and and have the opportunity to If I don't if I don't win and collect gear, let me collect information. Right. Yeah. That that is absolutely not what I play for. And we've discussed this yeah. every time we discuss games. Uh yeah. but I can see. I, 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 at this time, I'm able to see through you and understand where the gap is. Like at this point, uh, I will probably move on to a new character. I would like to maybe not get perfect gear, but at least get level 900 gear in all the slots. In the second character? No, on my on my rogue. Okay. What are you gonna go with the second character? Uh probably Necro. It's the only one I don't have at a hundred. I did get an Uber unique for the first time though. Oh. It's not a great one, but it's still really good. Uh the ring of it's or your class, or no? Ubers are generic. Okay. So this is the Ring of Starless Skies. It has double resistance to all elements, crit uh-huh. stack, crit chance, crit damage, core skill damage, lucky hit chance, and then its unique effect is spending your primary resource reduces the resource cost of your skills and increases your damage by 10% for three seconds, up to 40%. 
Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, doubling, your, doubling all your resistance sounds kind of okay. I can't get there with this gear, but now I'm there. Right. Um, the does it caps at what seventy or something? Yes, with a negative fifty percent penalty on World Tier Four. So you actually have to get to one hundred and twenty. Wow. Yeah. But the the ability in my class, my my build uh, does not take advantage of the uber power on the ring in the way that some other rogue builds could. But it's still noticeable. I get my combo points, I hit Barrage, and then Condom... Is that what it's called? Condemnation? Is that the stupid dagger? Yeah. Procs, and I get three more combo points, and I fire off my next Barrage, and it's like, oh, those are big numbers. <laughs> I went from critting for right around a million to now I'm critting for 1.7, and then I do it again, and now I'm critting for 2.6, and it's like... Yeah, this is really good. This this is a noticeable and the the ten percent is uh, misleading because that ten percent is is a multiplier that's input into the the algebra to determine your your overall damage at a specific point that it has a greater than ten percent effect on screen. It just comes down to where it falls in the litany of parentheses that because I think it's it's probably the final multiplier. So it's you know, you get you get your damage versus this, damage versus that, your imbuement and all this stuff, and you know, all that kind of like builds and cascades, and then it's like a final. 10% on all of that. Because I will just delete screens. Okay. So Diablo fun, Uber Lilith sucks. Yes, Uber Lilith is awful. The new boss, uh, the, the season boss, is probably my favorite boss fight they've put in Diablo 4 so far. The machine god thing? Yes. Because even at 100, now, my build is not the fucking Hammer of the Ancients barbarian shit. Well, that'd be uh, hard when such a rogue. Right, but like... For frame of reference, uh, one pull of the trigger with Barrage will kill Varshan, Grigor, Zir. It takes four pulls of the trigger on Barrage to kill Duriel. Uh, the, the Malthus fight at 100 takes me about a minute. And they're in in that minute because of the extra time it takes. 
there are mechanics that you have to pay attention to or it will fucking kill you. But it's not the Uber Lilith thing. It's it's a it's a death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. But it's it's learnable, it's dodgeable. You can interact with the shit in the fight. Like I it it's the most I think the best way to describe it, it's the most wow fight Diablo's ever had. So I'm, I'm, I would love more fights like this. I would like to not spend a hundred million gold re-rolling pieces of gear that I ultimately don't end up keeping because they still suck after a hundred million gold. But what are you gonna? Is there a uh, re-roll gear for this fight? Re-roll, re-roll it again for this fight. No kind of thing, or is it just re-roll for this character? Just re-rolling for this character. Like okay. my my necklace is really good. To replace my necklace, I'm going to have to have three of the four rolls that are on my necklace, and then a fourth roll that is still really good. I found one earlier. It had the three rolls. It it had three of the four rolls on the necklace. Or I'm sorry, it had two of the four rolls on the necklace. It had another roll that I was like, fuck yeah, that's amazing. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to try and get the other roll that I have on my current necklace. 100 million gold, all the materials did not have the roll. And you, in the process, ruined the thing trying to get it? I mean, my next re-roll will cost me... 15 million gold. Oh, it goes up each time you re-roll it? Yeah. 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 I've never got a character high enough to wear or gear pretty enough that I did that. Right. So, So, yeah, I'm just not going to re-roll that ever again. I'm going to end up vendoring it when I'm done swearing at it sitting in my vendor or in my, my stash. It's just, it's just fucking irritating. I see why that would. Uh, it's all, it's all the random number generation shit that, yep, annoyed me. Whereas, uh, with World of Warcraft, every piece of of gear with this name that you saw had the same stats as everyone else's. Yeah. You effectively, everyone made the same character by the end because the only variation in the end were your starting stats and that was based on race and then that was like one or two points which didn't translate to much by the end, right? It, yeah, and I'm okay with, uh, you know, the the gear system in Diablo being, you know, kind of random, things like that. But they, they need to address a couple of key problems. Uh, in, in they're talking about how they're going to do this in the next season. 
number one, the they introduced uh, floors, like minimum item power. Uh, yeah. They, they, I'm glad they started that, but they need to go further. If I'm running, for instance, the, the season Uber vault to go kill Malthus at level hundred, I should never see a sacred piece of gear in that run. Not one just should not happen. Should be legendary or, or more should be ancestral or better. Oh, uh, oh, ancestral. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why you're on tier four and you ever see sacred shit. Like I can understand if you want to do that under level 80, like, yeah, whatever that I don't like it, but I can understand that level 80 is like the final hard level cap, uh, needed for gear. Okay, fine. If I'm running this above that, I should never ever see a sacred piece it, of gear. Is there a reason they do it though? Is there like materials um, you get from sacred gear that you don't get from ancestral? Are you no. like are they no. trying to factor in the salvage system? Uh there's imbue like yeah you can get more imbuements. I've got four or I've got three stash tabs full of imbuements right now. But I'm not, the, the ancestral imbuements are better, right? Right. I mean, on, on some of them that have, you know, RNG to the numbers. Yes. The ancestral will be better. But like at this point right now, I'm, I'm not even looking for imbuements to salvage. I'm vendoring every piece of gear that I'm not looking at as you're going from, you need the cash, you need the gold. Yeah. I mean, I literally, rolls and shit. Yeah. yeah, I literally just blew a hundred million gold during the podcast on a piece of gear that I'm going to end up salvaging at a vendor. Yeah. That was, that was strange to me because when, you know, what I, what I played of it, even at low levels, I would never vendor anything. Right. I always had enough gold leveling. Right. You know, I would salvage everything I came across. Right. And still have plenty of gold. Right. And that's what I did up until mm, Sunday. I, I was salvaging everything. But, I mean, I'm sitting on, like, 10,000 of this, 10,000 of that. Like, I don't need that anymore. I need materials from Helltides. I need uh, shit from the seasonal event. I don't need any more shit from salvaging gear. But I do need gold because clearly I'm going to spend a billion gold trying to reroll something at some point. And it's just... It, it comes down to being, in my mind, as a developer, being respectful of your player's time. Like, I'm not saying you give everybody everything for free. I'm not saying anything like that. But I am saying respect the fact that I have put together this level of material and I, I spent the time to re-roll a hundred million gold worth of re-rolls. That's a shitload of re-rolls. And 
the piece of gear is trash. That's just, that's not good design. The, the thing that, so, so they put these stop gaps in here. Yep. To, to basically slow your, your collection down. Why? To keep your play longer. Right. Okay. So to keep basically number of people on in playing, it's not that kind of community game though. Right. The only time I interacted with other people other than you guys is the world boss things. And then it's like, there's no growing in that. You just show up and stand there and swing your weapon, cast your spells. And then you all run your different directions. The keeping people playing, it doesn't make sense to me. Let me get in there, finish the season. If it takes me two weeks, if it takes somebody else three months, fine. Right. Here's here's the problem. You you brought up something else that they need to. This is a change they need to revert. They gutted World Boss. Oh. So it used to be you show up world boss and world tier four, you're getting 925 items. Everything the boss drops is going to be 925. Well, that's not the way that shit works anymore. Uh, oh, it's, I, it's capped by your level two? Yes, which I'm okay with. At yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. If they, last okay. season, it kind of ruined, it kind of ruined my experience. You guys pulled me through because. After I ran with you guys, nothing that dropped was better than the ancestral, <laughs> legendary, you know, unique shit that I saw during those right. runs. But like now, I, I ran a world boss this morning. Uh, I'm level 100. I have not perfect gear, but I have really good gear. I show up, I kill world boss, I see one item that has an item level higher than 900. And you know what the real kick in the dick was? It was blue. Oh. Like, why? If it was legendary, you could at least impugn it and make it. I could have done something. something with it. Yeah. Like, a level 900 ancestral blue from world boss that's just that's fucking shitty yeah, why are there ancestral blues <laughs> right yeah so they they need to fix that they need to they need to improve the floor they need to improve re-rolls and uh they need to do something about the the build specific uniques uh, you know, like Druid is notorious, like there's a staff or a helm or a chest. Right, yeah. right. It there needs to be a way, a path, something to chase those. Well, you can chase them now. The problem is if it doesn't come from Duriel, good luck getting it at 925. Oh. Which if it's a helm, okay, yeah, whatever. If it's your staff or your dagger, um, that sucks. Hope you're a caster and you don't need it. 
All that shit still scales off your weapon. Oh, shit, yeah. And I'm currently using a 918 unique dagger because that's the highest item level I have. And that's fully improved at the blacksmith, as high as you can get it to go with any other variables. Yep. Right? Yep. The problem is that 918 dagger, I need the enchant on the dagger. It's what pulls my build together. But goddamn, I have killed Varshan, I don't know, a hundred times. Ugh. Best one I've seen is 918. I bought this game, uh, and then I bought Baldur's Gate. Uh, I enjoy them both, but it seems like I just don't have time for them. I, w I wish I had time for them. Get up earlier in the morning. Um, <laughs> no, that'll just make me late for work. I'm fucking with you. I'm not as effective at playing as you are. I I chase too many squirrels when I play video games. Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? New quest. Yeah. Oh, cool. Go play with this. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. If if I'm not can... I'm not any less satisfied with my experience. Right. No, don't don't right. get me wrong, but I I still don't have a character at a hundred. Sure. I'm, I'll be honest. I, if I play a necromancer this season and part of the reason why I haven't already started one is because I know once I get the necromancer to a hundred, I will then have all the classes at a hundred. I am not a hundred percent certain what my motivation is going to be next season. Other than uh, isn't that when the expansion comes out though? What's that? Isn't that when the expansion's coming out though? No, expansion comes out in November. Like we've we've got a minute on the expansion. Next next season is forty five days away. I mean, at some point, they can't expect people are just going to continue to play the game nonstop. Like they'll come back for a few weeks when the new season starts, and then leave and come back. And that's typically the cycle of, uh, you know, the outside of like work promote these things. things. Yeah, the, the streamers and whatnot. That's their life right. cycle. Yeah, new season drops. You see them playing Diablo for a few weeks, and then they're gone. They're they're playing something else. Sure. I mean, they play what's popular. As soon as people lose interest watching it, then they gotta move. Yeah. But let's or they're be done doing what they wanted to do in it. If I don't have motivation to pick up the game and I leave it sit for nine months, I'm probably not coming back. Eh, I don't know. I've got I mean I, there's I'm speaking about there's me. certain games that well, yeah, but is that typical? <laughs> you gotta worry because you like to get one game and just play it until you can't play it anymore. Right. And I like to rotate between like two, three games at a time. So there's definitely going to be situations where 
you've got a large group of people that go leave, play another game for a little bit, get tired of that, come back. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a multiple of those types of people versus the type like you that are just trying to play one game nonstop until you can't play it anymore, then you move on. Right, but I, in nine months when the expansion comes out, it's not like I'm coming back. They're they're losing potential money. Right, but you don't come back, but 10 other people do. They don't care about you. Or there's that magic you know, person who's been waiting to pick up the game and they pick it up at the expansion. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways people do stuff. Like, I can't, like, I don't even have the disc, so I can't do something. Like, I can't go into, um, like, GameStop and buy a used copy of anything anymore. Right. So I'm only buying it when it's on sale or right when it releases, if that's what I want, because there is no third option anymore. Like, right. I made them so that you could buy one or the other version and then didn't make enough of either version. So I took whatever yep. I could get. Right. Um, I'm still shocked that GameStop is not more non-existent, like that they still exist with, I don't see anybody going there and buy a game. They got to buy, they basically are a toy store now. Pretty much. Switch games. That's about it, because Nintendo still has actual physical things. Right. Yeah, we got one in this town. I don't know how it's still open. I mean, there's not that many people here. T-shirts. Pokemon cards, T-shirts. Toys, uh, yeah, yeah, it's toy store. It's like the game culture stuff is there. Yeah, right. So the GameStop that used to be in the Richland Mall, okay, is now a. It's still a video game store. It's not GameStop, but this company is a a, a local ish company, and they're putting on like video game tournaments and all this kind of shit. They're leaning heavy into like the, the vintage game market, um, that kind of stuff. And I went out to see my kid this weekend at, uh, at the new store. And you know, this, this store is right next to his and they're doing fucking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it can find your market. Yeah. Small localized version. But right. it's like real hard to scale that up to, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A chain status. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Or soon as the none of the game stops happening, they're going to do it bigger. They don't have rooms to run actual tournaments because that's the whole point. They want a small store with a bunch of crap in it. This place doesn't have the in-store in, in store room to run the tournament. They run the tournament out in the fucking uh, walkways of the, the mall. Okay. Well, I mean, then they've got extra space available that yeah. you know, GameStop doesn't, so. But, I mean, yeah, that's true. Look, um, we're not trying to save GameStop here. Like, <laughs> it's not a cultural icon <laughs> that I need, and it's not even useful to me anymore because of the lack of 
know, physical stock market gains. funnery. Yeah, no, just you, the physical gains that I can't play. So, yeah, yeah. So you have a discless uh, PlayStation Five? Is that what you have? Yeah, because that's the only one that was available when I could find oh. them on sale. I thought so about getting that one, but I had to wait for it to be delivered. Whereas the other yeah. one was in the store. So that's the oh, one I got. Well, 100% I would have done that. But when I was ordering them, it was like two Christmases after they came out. And I was still having to wait on an app and hit the button and hit the button and try and buy it. Before oh, I no, I get you. Yeah. When I, when I, you know, by the time I got my, it was go to Walmart. And there it is on the shelf. Thanks. Right. Yeah. I had to buy the, they started making them. So you had to buy the bundle with right. the extra controller and the gift card and whatever. And I found yeah. one that was gift card to GameStop. So I was fine because I just used that to buy a different gift card, which bought me a year of PlayStation Plus. Uh, Elizabeth bought mine. Yeah. I mean, I paid for it. She bought it. She's an employee of Walmart. I got 10% off, so. Oh, nice. I mean, it's no, it's. Well, 50 bucks so well what the hell why not oh yeah Once that paid for the game over 100 bucks it's worth the effort no matter what yeah so. well i officially completed my character so yeah go yeah, whatever what monstrosity you got rolling oh it's just a basic ass warlock <laughs> that's what i'm playing oh okay. And this just like awesome. squad class. I was trying to find the most Gen Z whatever, and I couldn't find anything like fantastic. And then the one that had the most like, oh, this is like because I saw a couple of Reddit threads where they were comparing like things to certain jobs or to certain whatevers. And the one that sounded most like the Gen Z description was the warlock out of those. So I followed a flow chart. It said, Do you want to cast magic? Yeah. Do you want to study? No. Do you, hmm. do you, uh, are you religious? No. Let me write to Warlock. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice. Cause it's got like the, the influencer, like charisma stat, whatever. You can go with the persuasion. You can go with all the what, other stuff. What pack I feel like did you a, go with? Um, but, 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 Blade, chain, or tome? Uh, chain. That's what I went. Because I didn't need a physical weapon. Because I'm doing the hex blade, but I'm doing the tome. It's going to be so awesome. So what pet are you? do you have? <laughs> um, Probably just an imp. I have it. Are you uh, specific? Um, fiend, celestial. What? What? Uh, what fiend. Uh, fiend. fiend. We're, we're, we made the same character, man. All right. <laughs> I'm sure we will play it very differently. Um, I, yeah, because I'm play, I, I'm playing an emo idiot kid. Yeah, I was gonna go emo, but then I'm like, I bet Ray's gonna do that because of his little comic. So yeah, um, yeah based it on that guy. So. I was like, bah, I'm not going to do two of those. So 
just gonna go as the loud TikTok influencer. Oh God! I'm embracing chaos. I I am obsessed with those videos where TikTok prankers try to like uh, rob people at ATMs, and the people at the ATM beat the shit out of them. Oh yeah. Have you seen that video? The kid's just bleeding, just broken nose, just piles of tissue. And the guy's like, dude, I'm sorry. And he's like, it was a prank. It was a prank. And we're like, I just got a hundred bucks out of this ATM and you jumped on my back. You should be oh, prepared yeah. to die. Yeah, no, like, I don't, I don't understand these people. Like, why do they think that is acceptable? Because they live in a world you know, where kids you know, have no consequences. But they live in a world where a minor disagreement could turn into gunshots now, because there's so but many not crazy for them, people. They're just white kids. Guns, hoping. I know white people are the dumbest. They are. They're the fucking worst. Like I don't even like argue with people at the Walmart because I'm sure they're carrying their gun and just hoping to use it that day. <laughs> Wow. That tracks. I've been to Walmarts before. Yeah. yeah. Like the number of people that are just like. They're, they're itching. They're hoping to be that good guy with the gun. God, today's like you, the day. You see their gun tucked into their pants with their special tactical harness that they didn't need while they're pushing, you know, blocks of cheese onto the checkout. Like there have been multiple times, like Walmart, not so much because I think they actually put the sign up. A few other places started doing that, but like multiple times where it's just somebody's carrying their gun at the grocery store, just in case Al Qaeda's in the frozen foods. Now, why do you need your gun at the public pool? Why? Why, why does it need to be on the side it everywhere? Why does it need to be hooked up to the side of the <laughs> Now I just imagine a gun with little floaties. Yeah. It's my water wings. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you fuck with me, it'll give you your angel wings. There, there you oh, go. That sounds like a bumper yeah. sticker. That's, that is the most American thing you have ever, ever uttered. Yep. I know. I feel so fucking dirty. We'll be back next week, folks. <laughs> oh, no.